Welcome to uh, the Artist Exchange Radio Show. I am just sending out a notice. And uh, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm kind of losing my um, flexibility and being able to do two things at once. Out of control right now. How's everybody doing? I am. Um, today's show is going to be a little different. We may have a young lady. She actually was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, she may be tuning in. So. Um, thanks for that. Uh, well, she, she will be tuned in, but probably a little bit later. Um, oh, today that's not my bad. I just feel like I am fumbling all over the place, but here we go. Uh, don't forget to, if you're watching us on Facebook, you can share and like us and subscribe to the Artist Exchanges page or to uh, be exposed and or and to the be exposed radio page on Facebook and you can find us also on YouTube. Um, so today's show has a lot to do with um, me watching a series called Squid Games. Now, why was I watching Squid Games? Well, the third season of my podcast, Binge Worthy Podcast, will be starting up at the end of this month. And I am trying to catch up on, you know, what's new, what's hot, what's, you know, what's the latest uh, shows out there. This season, if you watched it, um, it will, it's going to be a little bit different. So the theme of this season is women-led um, being directors, writers, starring uh, women of color. Um, we've had a really big push, specifically through the pandemic, of a lot of shows that were dropped that were either produced by Black women, um, executive produced, written, um, the concept, um, or starring. Uh, and there's been a really big array of shows that have been going on. Hey, everybody, I have another program going on here that I'm just testing out. So if I look over, um, don't mind me. Um, but so we're going to make the theme women-led TV, film, comedy, so on and so forth. And throughout the season, we're going to do some wild card episodes where a show like The Squid Games, which wasn't produced 
or even starred any people of color. Uh, but um, well, I guess Asians are considered people of color. Uh, well, not these are Koreans, so I guess they still consider. But there were no black people. My point being, uh, so <laughs> the Binge Worthy podcast was started out of the pandemic with myself and uh, co-host uh, George Burton Bunsen. I said Burton Bunsen, uh, and uh, we'll be starting up shortly. Um, we're just kind of finalizing what we're going to watch and how we're going to showcase all that. And I'm really excited. But this actually is two shows that I'm going to talk about a little bit throughout this. So one being the Squid Games. If you have not watched it, please take a look at it. The other one being um, clickbait. Uh, I don't know what these psychological thriller-esque slash sci-fi type shows are going for, but it is art has always imitated life. But in this case, art is at the pulse of life. It's like we're getting to a space now where we used to predict the future. We used to live in the past. And rarely did we see things happening currently. But now things, film and TV have turned into reality shows. And um, both of these um, series were, well, one was like a series that should have been a movie, which was clickbait. uh, And the other one was um, Squid Games, which was a series as well. Um, that I like as a series. Um, and it, um, both of them are kind of reality-based. Squid Games reminds me of more of like a Big Brother reality show where clickbait felt more like, um, mm, it felt more like the slander TV or, podcast that we have now where for clickbait it was more so an issue, something happens and somebody drives a specific perspective and that becomes a narrative that is then shown to the world and then people make choices based off of not what actually happened but somebody's perspective of what happened. That's what clickbait reminded me of. Reality TV slash TMZ slash all of the gossip shows. Um, and it's it's really gone out of proportion. Why are we talking about this today? Because the topic of today is a little bit different. Now, because I have loved ones that watch my show, I have to always be mindful of how I uh, word things and how I present um, certain topics and such. Um, and if you're tuning in right now, you're tuning into the Artist Exchange Radio Show. I'm your host, Nate. If I didn't say that already, we're on BeExposedRadio.com. I've been doing this show for a number of years. And the last couple of years, specifically throughout the pandemic, this has really turned into a lot of personal me. Stuff because I've had more time to focus on me and be introspective and be, you know, hyper aware of me because I've been with me since March the 12th of 2020. Um, but um, as I was saying, this is happening because, and I'm sorry if I'm looking down, I'm just trying to add people to this. 
Uh, but I am really in the space of just learning and growing and just hearing different things and learning different things. And for the last couple of weeks, or I'll say the last year, actually, I've been having specific conversations with specific people in terms of expressing myself. And I never had an issue with presenting, expressing myself before, but it's been more so in a space of not, um, not really, um, not really doing it because I, I hate hurting people's feelings. And I am in a space where I am trying my hardest to be more respectful and be more mindful of myself. I've constantly have made, as we all have, have made provisions and space um, and given grace to many different people. How you guys doing? Uh, but I often forget forget about me, you know, or uh, those relationships that I gave that grace, that space, that acknowledgement, that love to, it wasn't always reciprocated and not as an even reciprocation. It just wasn't reciprocated at all. Um, and I've been um, noticing a lot of my relationships have been strained in a certain way because I had a lack of um, understanding and a lack of um, expression in terms of saying what I feel and setting boundaries and all that. And I've had plenty of shows on that. So uh, the topic for today, the reason I said I have to be very sensitive well, I've been very sensitive in terms of how I say things because I don't want people to take what I'm saying personally. People, for whatever reason, based off of their insecurities, their fears, their experience, they take what you are going through personally. Even though I may be talking to you or I may be talking to somebody totally different, I've had a string of people in my life that just take what I say about me and how I feel and make it personal. Um, and uh, a friend of mine, mentor and friend, said to me recently, um, no conversation about your feelings should end in an argument, a disagreement, or a misunderstanding. If I'm speaking about my feelings, if I'm talking about, but the problem is, People aren't used to giving a shoulder. They're used to needing a shoulder and relying on a shoulder. Uh, I didn't tell the topic. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell the topic. But I had to set this up because I have loved ones that, that listen. So there was a moment, and this wasn't recently. It wasn't throughout the pandemic. This is when I was a teenager. I went through a really dark space in life. And there's a space, there's a question that I asked to all my guests at the end of the um, show. Uh, and it's about what question would you ask your 100-year-old self, which I added in the last couple of years, uh, last year or so. And the first was, the first part of that question was, what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? And between the ages of maybe 9 and 17, I went through a lot of, the trauma in my life. I've had bad experiences and, and such uh, as an adult, but really between nine and 17, I went through a lot of um, dark spaces in terms of losing very significant people in my life. Um, the the um, 
veil was lifted in terms of discovering who people really are. Um, and youth, the youthful ignorance was basically lifted. So I went through a space of going through things back to back to back to back. And I've had several shows where I've disclosed certain things that have happened to me, like uh, being molested um, and feeling neglected, um, feeling like, you know, the people who were in charge of nurturing me did not do a great job. And because of that, a certain things, I was exposed to certain things that I shouldn't have been. The dynamic of my family kind of was a little off kilter, not having strong relationships with individuals. I just lost my father's mother. And the last month or so, I've been a little off kilter because there were a lot of unresolved things in, on, from my behalf that was never said or never communicated between her and I. So when someone dies, they have the possibility of taking a part of you with them when things are left unresolved. And because we never really had a strong relationship, those things happen. Well, all these things happened in between 9 and 17. I went through a very dark space. And there was a moment where I just, I was tired. I, I didn't want to live uh, anymore. I, didn't, I don't know any other way to say it. I didn't want to exist. I didn't want to uh, hate that vegan. Uh, I didn't want to, I'm sorry, I did say I was, it was a program running. Um, but um, I went through a lot of these moments as normal teenagers do but I really didn't have a lot of guidance as to how to get through them. And it was really weird because it's not, children should not have to live as an adult. Point blank period. We're not blaming anybody. We're not saying anything. Um, but I decided to, in this moment, really after watching Squid Game and Clickbait, um, to do a show like this. So the topic for the topic for today is the, the moment when I didn't decide to kill myself. And there were a lot of moments, and did you hear that? The day I decided to not kill myself. Did you hear that, Monty? He wanted to do the big reveal of the topic. Like, uh, but, um, yeah, so there was a, a day, a specific day that I, I thought I was going to do it. I planned to do it. I had the knowledge of doing it because I have watched certain people in my family go through certain things. And in maybe two situations, I stepped, I kind of interfered with them being able to do it. I remember one incident, my aunt, uh, I'm, my aunt, uh, my aunt Kathy uh, was attempting to kill herself after my little cousin who passed away, wasn't even one yet, uh, passed away from SIDS. And I walked into the bathroom and caught her trying to attempt. So knowing how to do it, knowing um, what could happen as a, not as a result, because I have had family members who successfully killed themselves. I have a cousin, Dante, who shot himself in the head. And um, I, so I understood the ramifications on both sides. What is left over in terms of feelings and emotions 
but also what can lead up to it, the devastation. Um, and there was a moment probably around uh, 16, 17, where things got the heaviest. Now, a little bit more backstory. I, I always go through moments where I don't like going outside. I don't... Um, I, I went through that as a child several different times. And I always had friends that, you know, and a mother really, to, first of all, who would step in and kind of do what she could to encourage me to come on. But there were plenty of times where I just went inside of myself and didn't want to come out. But um, that moment as a teenager was devastating. How you doing, Welsh? Uh, hey, Thick. Uh, and there were several times where I wanted to do it, but this time was, in particular, it was very much so, like, it was, I felt the pressure of the world. My mom had got a divorce, and she left our home. My um, great-grandmother, the person who I had lived my whole life with, she lived with my mother before I was even born. She passed away, and... Um, I've I told these stories in many different ways, but today I'm just giving a little bit of bits and pieces of it. Walked in, found found her, had to put her body in a bed. You know, um, my grandmother was killed. A lot of different things was happening throughout my teenage years. Um, and it just culminated into me not feeling like I wanted to be here anymore. And there was something in me that kept me going. Uh, and it was part of how I was raised. My mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, um, my aunts, uh, a lot of their love kind of pulled me through stuff. And then me being an artist in general kind of gave me a little bit more um, insight. And I'm sorry if I'm kind of a little over the place, but it's going to make sense in a few minutes. Uh, so all of these things happening as a teen, it culminated in me wanting to commit suicide. And I ultimately decided that day that that wasn't a choice for me. Did I have that urge again? Yes. Uh, did I ever think about it again? Yes. Had times gotten that hard? Yes. Um, and it sometimes, you know, the people around us don't really know. People don't aren't mind. They may know your patterns and your behavior may change. They may be aware of that, but they don't normally know what's on your mind unless you say something. And I got really good at um, keeping um, keeping it to myself. So in the last couple of years, I really have gone inside of myself to do a lot of introspection and you know, self-evaluation and all those things, because I'm in a different space, a different age than what I was. I woke up and I was in my 30s, and that that was really shocking to me because I was just 25, and being able to live off of two hours of sleep and work and work and work and work and work, and now I'm being forced to go to sleep when I'm tired or say no to things, and I just feel like life just got different. Well connecting that. So I'm going to put that there and we're going to come back to that. Me watching Squid Games was 
I thought it was going to be entertaining based on all the memes that I saw, but um, it really watching it, I had to go and go back, and I binge watched it over a two day period. I had to go back, and in the last two days, I watched it again, and what I saw was devastating uh, to me because it showed me if somebody can think of this. That means somebody has lived through this. And I know the common, you know, the surface theme of it was these individuals were in debt or they had did something where they lost big and they owed big lump sums of money. And this game, this opportunity was a way for them to get ahead and get out of that debt. Many of us are facing that. Many artists, even people with money are holding on tighter to the money that they do have. Uh, and many people have learned to um, hide that feeling, especially throughout this pandemic. And a lot of us have learned how to, you know, get through it and find a way and be creative. But the stress of not only being in debt, but just not being where you want to be, when life hits you hard, it can be like a, a brick, a ton of bricks falling on you over and over and over again. Um, so the, watching this game really, how you doing? Uh, I, I've been watching this, I said watching this game as, as we were doing. Um, it just showed me the humanity that we had. Um, not even thinking about the people that were involved in the game. So if you haven't seen Squid Games, go to Netflix, watch it. It's a real easy watch. It, one episode leads into the next, um, and it's continuous. But if you are going through something, I would say, why wait? <laughs> wait before you watch it because it really it, it really shows us what a lot of people went through throughout this pandemic. I was blessed to have been okay and been able to get through this pandemic in a different way, and it really, um, yeah, I was I was blessed. But I know a lot of people who were not so blessed. I know a lot of people who gave up and and lost a lot and wasn't able to keep themselves ahead or above uh, a war, the water. And I have a few friends who not only died from COVID, but also killed themselves because the stress of life was just too much. Um, and to get into the game, so part of me is going to give a review of Square Games. Um, it was an emotional space to be in. And it really is a series that kind of tugged at those emotional strings that, that I had. So I don't know how anybody else feels. If you want to call in, give me a call at 443-642-9403 and tell me what you thought of Square Games. If you watch uh, the, the film, the series, the TV series on Netflix. And um, it just, it, it broke my heart because the way those people, why those people chose to be in there was devastating to me. How they ended up in that space was devastating to me. Um, and just understanding that everybody's story isn't the same. When we look at people that are struggling or homeless or in a bad space or in a dark space, we judge them based off of where we are and where we don't want to be. Um, and 
it's not everybody's story isn't the same. Nobody wants to struggle. Nobody wants to be in debt. Nobody wants to owe money. Nobody wants to be in those situations. And I've just watched how we treated each other, how classism really surfaced throughout this pandemic. And we have people who had a little bit, I, I you know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of new, new rich people in the world. You know, and they're not really rich. They got a, a lump sum of money either from unemployment or a PPP loan or some type of government emergency funding or some grant. Or and I see how once people who have once been down here get up here, how they change and how they treat people. And this uh, series pointed out a lot of those. Uh, gaps that we have between the people who have and the people who don't have and, and what people are willing to do to get ahead. These so just a recap of Square Games. Various people, whatever their circumstances were, found themselves being presented with this opportunity to get out of debt. And, and it was presented, all you got to do is play these games, and if you win, you can win this money. They never told these people, if you don't win, you're going to die. Um, and uh, from from the very beginning of it, you just saw the emotional stress that these people were under to make these decisions. And and it, it helps me, and it, I, I saw this throughout my life, but I understand why people become... Um, homeless, why people become um, criminals, why people become scam artists, so on and so forth. And it it starts from something very... <coughs> Sorry, I have a... Uh, I burning. It is choking me. Uh, but I saw how... Um, I see how these things can happen. It starts very innocently where I just want to get... I just want to and you end up being something or doing something totally different from your character, totally different from who you could have been, and you start doing these things. These people in this game from day one, when they play, after playing the first game, they realized the life and death of the situation. And what was different about this film, it didn't just keep moving. At some point, it gave them an option to go back home. And they ultimately chose to go back home. But many of those people who understood what life would have been like if they went back home was like, no, but they were outvoted. Um, and eventually they decided to come back. Most of the people came back. And that, that says a lot about where we are in community. Now, I know this is just a Netflix series, but it really showed me where we are in terms of community, individual, uh, and what we're willing to do to get ahead. Um, I've, I've been having several conversations with people about what I witnessed throughout the pandemic, and I watched a lot of classism happen. A lot, I watched a lot of um, Better Than Thou happen. I watched a lot of um, selfishness happen. Um, and it was across the board, even down to this people's decision not to get a 
a vaccine for whatever reason has turned into them being a guilty party. Um, and I am, um, I'm disappointed in whatever uh, part of this that I participated in it after watching something like this. Because you can't just create a series like this or a piece of art like this or a film like this if it has not happened. It's just, this is who we've been. And I said I've watched a lot of this stuff happen throughout the pandemic, but I've also watched this before the pandemic. I'm not going to blame COVID on people's behavior because I think the pandemic heightened it and it brought a lot of it to the surface where you could not hide it anymore, but it definitely, it, um, it just did something to me. This series, I would suggest watching it. If you're going through something, I would say wait a little bit, get through what you're going through and then uh, go watch it because there's a lot of heaviness that exists uh, within this and it really, um, it really just, took me a back so so much so that I watched it I watched the whole series a second time and I just was I was stunned at what people people began to kill each other they began to form these bonds on how to uh, win and it became about the money. It wasn't even about, I'm going to take this money and do what I have to do with it. There were a few characters in this that had that ongoing understanding. But even some of the ones who had it at some point lost that that initial rational thought that they had in doing this um, and began to kill people, began to... Uh, get people killed and be a part of the problem instead of leaving. Now, at any point, I think the the rules were at any point, the majority had to vote and then the game could stop. But the further they got along, the harder that was to get done again. Because they did it once in the beginning after the first game. These people was like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, and it was I loved how it combined very adolescent games uh, to adult decision-making. Because children doing this would have definitely, after seeing what happened, would have like, no, we're leaving. I'm not doing this. But adults, because we got bills and we got debt and we want to be successful, we want to be rich, we just see the money. And this, this was a mixture of criminals with little old ladies and old men and young men and just across the board types of people for various reasons why they got into debt um, coming to this group. And it, it really, when I say this did something to me, watching this, it just I wanted to give everything I had away at that point. Because I just I realized how much we focus on money. Uh, I posted um, a, a couple of days ago, and our pursuits to be its business. We really neglect. We just disrespect. We mistreat each other to a point of 
We get over with people who are already giving us. We get over with these people. We get, it, it just, it just took me into a space. Today I wrote a post and let me um, try to go back to it real quick. Um, I wrote a post and it really, um, it kind of changed me. It really did. And not that I was a person that was so bent on money. People will tell you who know me, I, that, that, that's the problem that most people have with me. I'm not focused on money enough in their eyes. But I wrote a post today and it said, uh, as I approach this new season, uh, in my life, I vow to normalize making space for me first. Um, and before I go any further, I, I just spoke about people being selfish, and now I'm speaking about making space for me. But I realized in this, you have to really make sure your cup is full and overflowing, but you have to have that balance. It, it has to be there. So uh, normalize making space for me first. I will make space for the things and spaces that uplift me. And I'm removing the things that keep me in a dark mood. Um, recently, I've, I've been getting a lot of fake people talking about um, my energy or how they read people's energy and being approachable. And it's really people judge you based off of their own personal experiences their own personal guilt, their own personal insecurities and self-doubts and fears. And it normally has nothing to do because they're really not paying attention to you. They're paying attention to how you react to them, how you respond to them. And often your gut is naturally doing something. Your instincts are naturally doing something. I know for me, I naturally get quiet around people who I think are shady or negative or evil. I, I just, I get quiet because I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to feel. So I can make a, a informed decision. Um, and I, I no longer try to fix that person because that's something they have to be. I just try to maintain who I am. But, ugh, mm. Uh, as I said, I will make spaces for the things and spaces that uplift me, and I'm removing the things that keep me in a dark mood. I'm not going for the foolishness anymore. Uh, my heart will remain in the same place, meaning I'm not going to change who I am to, to spite those individuals who have been negative energy in my life. But what I will be is me. I may love you from a distance. I may deal with you from a distance or not, but I'm no longer going to dim or dumb down who I am to feed your uh, negativity. Uh, my heart will remain in a place. My spirit will always be in a posture of giving and uplifting. So I'm not going to change who I am. However, my mind will be restructured and I will long, no longer let stress or negativity distract me from what my God, how we choose your God, uh, what my God has intended and destined for my life. Uh, I went on to say, let's treat not only ourselves better, but the people around us 
uh, let's make a better effort uh, in treating those people around us better. Some of us have made a life of destroying, destroying and breaking down everyone who crosses our path. Uh, many have thrived off of survival and trauma instead of living and growing and healing. Instead of living, growing, and healing. Uh, let's live, let's live, let's, let's live, love, and laugh with a full intentional heart. Let's apologize for the progress and growth instead of needing and guilt. Let's love on purpose and not out of desperation. Let's smile from a joyous space and not simply from a broken one, meaning wearing a mask. Uh, let's heal, and, and not because it's trendy, because right now we're, there's a lot of trauma bonding going on. There's a lot of uh, therapy and all, but I, I feel like there's a pendulum swing in that direction to say what my problem is, and, but we're wearing our problems on our shoulders and expecting for people to tiptoe around us because of it, uh, normalizing acknowledging the problem and not fixing the problem. That's uh, healed not because it's trendy, but rather for self-preservation. That's shared not to get back, but simply out of love. Uh, I really pray, uh, and I'm ended this by saying, I really pray that this message finds people with an open heart, the capacity to just take it in, because it wasn't specifically about anybody. It may be specific to people, but I think we really have to, after watching this series, it really just made me focus on how I treat people and how I allow people to treat me and how things have to change. You know, removing a lot of things, a lot of places uh, from my space, because when we hold on to things, whether it be something negative or good, when we hold on to things that we have, we should have kind of uh, purged uh, or gotten rid of or let alone or left, we block what blessings are coming ahead of us. So we don't give space to the things that we're supposed to be giving because we're not making space for it, meaning letting things go. Um, I'm really... I really feel different right now. Um, I pride myself on being a very peaceful person. Um, I turn up when when I have to, when I'm pushed in that space, but I pride myself on being a very peaceful person that doesn't overreact, that does not um, get upset. And I'm human. The things that those things have happened to me before because I'm human, but I have to really understand what I'm feeling what I am going through and, and acknowledge it. So I'm not in a space where I was when I was a teenager and I thought suicide would have been a much needed break for me. And I really looked at it as a break because I didn't see, I, at that moment, I didn't see what would have happened after the fact. What devastation that could have brought to my loved ones. Um, again, um, you're in that moment 
people aren't thinking about anybody else. Um, many people call people who commit suicide selfish. But I, I really think it's one of the most selfless acts that you can commit um, in committing suicide because you're thinking of everybody else around you but you um, often. And then something happens that pushes you over the edge, in my opinion, and then there's no return from that. Because we have chosen as a society of people that I have to worry about me. I have to worry about my four walls. I have to worry about my bank account. I have to worry about my children often. I have to worry about self. Um, more so than, than not. I have to worry about myself. And we we totally neglect um each other. And we, we think that supporting people means buying a ticket to their show, coming to their art studio, doing something, sometimes just being a listening ear. And I know a lot of us are going through things where I can't take on more stress. Say that. Be honest with the person and not just ghost them or ignore them or, you know, avoid them because then they feel that so whatever they're feeling it then gets heightened because they feel like yet another person is ignoring me yet another person is because we don't know where people are this i just learned not gonna um, mention who the person is but i just learned that a friend of mine who is seemingly a very strong-minded person um is in a psychiatric ward right now and to know that somebody I know is suffering from that, I, I constantly, you know, looked at myself like, what could I have done? What could I have given? What could I have said? How could, and, and honestly, as people who go through depression or sad moments or loneliness or anything, uh, trauma, we have to begin to communicate. And that starts with parents. That starts with the village. That starts with friends and loved ones. We have to make spaces for our friends to talk to us. Nobody is ever that place. I don't care how many children you got. I don't care how many bills you got. I don't care how many jobs you have. Nobody is so busy that they can't, have a 15-minute conversation with someone. It's, it's just, nobody's that busy. You can stay up to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to get the latest whatever that's dropping on shoeware or video games. We can stay up all night and, and binge watch Netflix and watch the Dave Chappelle, whatever. We can do those things. We make time for the things we want to make time for. And even if you're that person that feel like, I ain't going to never call nobody because I don't ever want to need nobody. I don't ever want nobody to think I'm a need. It's time for those things to be pushed aside. It's time for that type of ego, that type of arrogance, that type of uh, social disrespect, self-disrespect, community, family disrespect to end. Because we have people out here dying unnecessarily of broken hearts. And I know that's very cliche to say, but people are dying of broken hearts. 
It's just not on the autopsy. It's just not. It's, it's not on the autopsy report. Broken heart, but it's it's labeled as um, suicide, or a drug overdose, or diabetes, or uh, a sexual transmitted disease, or a gunshot wound. Sometimes Alfred hurts other people. I'm looking at a lot of these TV series and movies and comedy specials that are coming out, and I just see pain on everybody. And as an artist, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, can I be as creative without a struggle? Can I be creative without a struggle? And I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if it's possible for me to be an artist and not be fueled by the things that hurt me as my motivating source. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if those things are possible. And right now, and watching this, this where I'm at right now, I'm, I have to let it go. I, I remember a few weeks ago, I'm sitting in my grandmother's funeral. And most funeral homes now, when you go to a funeral home, they offer an option to play a video montage on the um, family time. They, they offer this service now. And I'm watching these photos and I'm watching a lot of my cousins and aunts and such have these moments with my grandmother. And um, I'm, I want to be hurt. I want to be angry. I want to be frustrated because she was the adult. She should have known. But sometimes, at some point, not sometimes, at some point, we have to take our pain as our responsibility. And it becomes our responsibility because we have to heal from those things. We were not meant to walk around like zombies and just take stuff and deal with stuff and not have any responsibility yet. And, 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 and uh, for an example, like R. Kelly, we give him the responsibility of his pain. But many of us are out here raping relationships, raping our finances, mentally raping our children, mentally raping ourselves. So when are we responsible for our own pain? In the same way that we're making R. Kelly, R. Kelly or Bill Cosby or so on and so forth. I'm not equating any of us to rapists, but what I'm saying is pain is pain. It's like sin is sin, wrong is wrong, pain is pain. And at some point we have to acknowledge it and um, understand how it is constantly destroying us. It, it is it's tearing us apart as families, as friends, 
yesterday I had a conversation with a friend and in that moment I decided to, you know what? I'm not keeping this inside of you. You know, this person who calls themselves my friend, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a, a decent conversation on, on what I feel, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying. We're going to end. I, I spoke honestly and, and candidly about how I felt about friendships. And we're too disposable. We throw around this term, not everybody is supposed to go with you. Well, that doesn't give you carte blanche to treat people like shit because they're not going to go along with you. They, they're not going to be with you for the whole ride. And I just, you know, it, it's just heartbreaking. And I, I found out about that friend at the same time, but I, I'm just, it's just devastating to watch people die from uh, things that are mentally curable. It's hard. Um, and the other the other series that we watched, I really wish it was a movie and not a series because it made it felt drawn out. But clickbait. And all this, it, it makes sense because we are in this world together. Nobody, we, we may come into this as individuals, but we are here together. And it is stressful uh, to know that our concern for each other is worsening as time moves on. I just said that to a friend uh, today. Um, said as we grow more and more independent of the whole, how we treat each other, how we respond to each other, how we respect each other is actually worsening. And it is damaging. It is destructive. It is... Um, it's a harsh reality to know that we are um, no longer these family units. I mean, and there's always been dysfunction in families and separation from the beginning of time. But I remember a vague moment, a small portion um, where, you know, there was at least a space where family was always family. There's one overlapping moment, but I don't even see much of the overlapping anymore. And I I'm not sitting here as if I have all the answers, if I know everything, but I'm a person who has definitely felt a lot in the last couple of years. And I've sit on a lot of those feelings because it's not a space. We don't make spaces for our family friends and family and loved ones, or even just strangers to feel. Because we, especially in our Black community, we're, we're, we're so strong. We have to be so strong. We have to be so together. We, we don't make any allowance for ourselves to, to struggle, to um, mm, It's heartbreaking 
I, I, I watched it. I watched Squid Games for the second time because the first time it broke me in a way that uh, I don't think a film has broken me in a long time. And it's not just the subject matter. I just watch the dynamic of how people play with each other. And it's a, that's kind of a double meaning, but how we simply play with each other. We see the destruction and devastation that we've had in our lives. We see the destruction and devastation and chaos that we bring to people's lives, and we see it. And part of me has always said, oh, that person can't know that they're doing this. It has to be a mental defect that this person is having, but many of them know it. I've seen it. I've seen the acknowledgement. You know the, the vile uh, behavior that you're putting out in the world. Many people, because they feel so low, they feel so hurt, they are in that space themselves. Ayana says, very powerful topic, Nate. Is is that a Yan a Yana Marsh? It, it's unfortunate. Many times I didn't really understand the value that someone had in my life until I lost them, or until I was about to lose them. Um, and I really. I, didn't, I really didn't know what well, I'm supposed to have a guest today. Um, and I believe one of the young ladies, a young lady is going to tune in soon. Um, she was here. Miss um, Peaks, uh, she'll be joining us soon. And I, I just really, um, I, I need for us to, I want anybody to change who they are. I just need us to treat each other better. You know, I, I remember growing up in a space where even criminals had respect for the people on their block. They, they looked out for each other. They looked out for the community that they were in. They tried not to bring the dirt home. But now everybody's just here for themselves. We have Miss J uh, joining us. Uh, make sure that spell right. Is that that's how you want it on there? I think um, you Where is it? I'm see it. It's not up on there anyway. You good? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I'm happy. Thank you for joining me today. I'm, no I'm problem. A conversation where I'm just purging a lot of what I've experienced over the pandemic. Um. I, uh, a lot of this is because I'm writing a book and uh -huh. it's taken me longer than expected to even get the ball rolling because a lot of, we hide a lot. As black people, we hide a lot. And I speak about black people because I ain't never been nobody else. Right. So I can only speak culturally at this point. Right. Uh, but, um, we hide a lot. We deny a lot. We live through a lot. And it is very, um, detrimental to us. And I, I was speaking to a friend the other day and I um, 
I said to I said to him, I said, uh, we have a lot of people dying of broken hearts. And he didn't understand what, what I was saying. He just was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a very cliche term to uh, to say. But that broken heart is old, often in the form of diabetes, mm-hmm. a form of drug overdoses, mm-hmm. a form of being shot because like most times, my hurt can be transferred to you through me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have a lot of people dying of broken hearts. Mm. And it, it really uh, is very, very much so self-inflicted, but it mm-hmm. also is environmental. Mm-hmm. It, it's our family, and it's not strangers often. It is our own family and loved ones yes, yes. that have supplied this level of hurt to us. And I remember our conversation when you came on um, a few weeks ago. And it really, even since then, just, you know, I hear things that people say and it kind of, you know how you plant a seed is as a thought into somebody. And yeah. it really, um, and I I I kind of framed this around me watching the the series on Netflix called Squid Games. Mm-hmm. And it did as everything, I couldn't even really recognize the violence that was because when I watched it the second time, I realized how many people were getting shot in their head in front of me, how many people were being killed in front of the screen, and uh, Asians are very, uh, very polite about things, so they didn't show the devastation, but you knew it was there. Yeah. And yeah. That's just, that's just, but overall, I just saw how we treat just how we treat from the people that were the VIPs that were sitting up watching this happen to the people who was orchestrating it to the people who were the worker bees in it to the participants. How we treat each other on whatever level you're on. Mm-hmm. How we treat each other and how damaging it is to us and our psyche. So today's topic uh, was uh, the day I decided not to kill myself. And I normally I'm mm. really, I'm very respectful of my loved ones. Mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned in that way for the general public, but I'm very um because every time I say something like that on the show, I get aunts and cousins that call mm. me, reach out to me. So I know I, what's going on. Right, right. And often, you know, for me, I I'm, and I'm gonna give a secret. Uh, oh, I see you, Ayana. Uh, and I, I, uh, I often write posts from observation, not okay. necessarily from personal. And even if it is personal, it's something that I've learned a lesson from. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I never speak on things that I'm currently going through mm-hmm. because it's just I don't. I don't want to add anybody else to the mix in terms of muddying it up even more. Mm-hmm. But I recall you saying you was in a really deep depression for a number of years. Did it ever get to that point or so, so, like so suicide point. was an option or thought? Oh, I tried to attempt suicide in 2005, long before the, the five-year um, depression and anxiety bout. And mm-hmm. it was the, the I don't so the know, depression- it was, the depression was an after effect. 
the depression was an effect of something completely not related. Okay. That yeah. wasn't even, that was something totally different. Um, but after that, that suicide attempt in 2005, it showed me who really cared. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I, they medicated me. I was on medicine for about a month after I left the psych ward. And wow. the people closest to me made sure that I stayed medita medicated. And even in the medicated state, because it made me like zombie-like, I couldn't feel things. That's why I'm so big on feelings now. I couldn't feel things. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I, my thoughts were just vague and not, felt like it was just a weird headspace to be in. My stepdad had died. I went to his funeral. I vaguely remember it. Um, well, well to pause you for a second. Many people ridicule people who are prescribed medication mm -hmm. for not taking it. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand what that medicine, even I remember Ritalin is zombieing out people or schizophrenic medication, or and I have family members who have been on these things, mm -hmm. but it makes you physically feel like you feel dumbed. Yeah. I was and nobody wants to me. feel like that. I was not enjoying life, and I was watching how the people around me, my loved ones, were mm -hmm. allowing me to stay in this medicated state, and, mm -hmm. and not even, it was like a break for them. Mm-hmm. Because I've always, once I learned how to use my voice, you couldn't shut me up. And, mm. you know, it was just like, I don't want to feel like this no more. So what I ended up doing was, I actually stopped taking my medicine for about, I want to say, a little over the last week of the, the month-long prescription. And I just was watching. Mm -hmm. And I was still pretending to be medicated. And I was just watching. And realizing that the same people who caused me to feel like I didn't want to be there were still doing the things that they were doing to make me feel like I didn't want to be here. So why why me? I sobered up and I let them know I'm giving you I'm giving this back to you. This ain't me. This is not mm -hmm. my 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 stuff I'm carrying. But you I'm know what that is many of those people are experiencing the same things that got you into the space that you were in. And they don't want to acknowledge it. They see it in you. Mm -hmm. It's easy to ridicule you and push you and bash you because it's really them bashing themselves. Mm -hmm. How dare you be sick? How dare you not be mm -hmm. normal? How dare you have an audacity to feel something? Mm -hmm. Like it is and for me, the drama that led up to that was me calling people out on their stuff, but being told I was crazy because nobody else came to see what I thought, what I was seeing. It mm -hmm. wasn't real to anybody but me, you know. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, well, if, if I'm the only one who sees this world like this, I ain't supposed to be here. That was my thinking. Yeah. I ain't supposed to be because something is clearly wrong here. But I'm the only one who sees this. So maybe mm. I ain't supposed to be here. Mm. And then when I, it was like when I woke up from the zombie mode, it was like, no, I know, I know what the hell I'm talking about. I ain't crazy. Y'all just need to get your shit together. Excuse my language. Y'all need to get it together. Because mm -hmm. it's not y'all. 
Mm. Those people are still the same way that they were then. It's 2021. I, I don't think you got a chance to read the post that I wrote on Facebook, but that's really, that's how I summated this feeling that I'm having right now. Mm. Um, loved ones aside, friendship aside, blood aside, it is it's so easy for us to just go inside of a shell and just be there. We've done it for a year, most of us. And I'm not supposed to exist in a world where I don't feel comfortable being all that I've been destined to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of what somebody is going to think. Yeah. What somebody is person Like, your struggle is not my struggle. But compassion mm-hmm. I don't have to what you're going through. I don't have to understand what you're going yeah. through, but I yeah. have to love you despite any differences that we may have. Yeah. But we're in a space where people are causing the destruction. Mm-hmm. People are witnessing. It's like watching somebody get beat up. The young man that is now facing charges because he shot the person who has been bullying him. People mm. stood there and watched. We live in a camera phone era where we are willing to take the destruction versus going to help. And it's disgusting. It is. And I I don't have these soapbox moments often. I I, I do, but it's not to this degree. But just watching that film and just watching how people watch each other kill each other for money. Mm. And it was it was definitely the the character. If you haven't seen it yet, I watched of the, it. I, I watched it in this movie. So that, so that the main character, away. the main character who the story was kind of surrounding, he found his compassion despite nobody giving him that space. Mm. His mom, his friends, his. His, I think his daughter was the only one that gave him that unconditional love. But what power she, did she have in this situation? Right, right. And it, it just showed you when when you can't do anything for anybody anymore, hmm. what they what they do to you <clears throat> as a result of that is is devastating. That and that that thing right there is how I base my connections. The the how genuine they are. Because I'm capable of doing a whole lot. And mm-hmm. I appreciate the love that you show and the appreciation that you show for my capabilities. But what about the days when I can't? What about the days when I when I just absolutely can't? Or what about the things that I cannot do? What about the problems that I cannot solve? Will you still love me then? Will I still be your favorite then? And that's, that's a question. That's a question that we ask each other often. And I ask myself often. And I'm, I, I, I listen for the answer without physically asking people. Mm. And, I've, and I've had some, recently, some really great relationships with people that I didn't know that I had. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know that all I had to do was reach out and say hello. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and break myself of this space of feeling that everybody has a vendetta. And just breaking that. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get a bad rep here, I guess, in this northern eastern hemisphere of the world where we we don't speak to each other. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> the assumption is you want something. Yeah. So I'm going to avoid even speaking to you because I don't know what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I felt felt victim to that. I used to be a child that spoke to everybody. And I would have family, mom, and every stop speaking to everybody. Mm. You would get hurt like that. Mm. I remember I, that. And I watched myself grow into that. So I became harder as an adult that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I just totally shut myself off from feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's not a natural state of being. And the destruction that it happens to you, you see it in your weight, you see it in your health, you see it in your mental capacity, you see it in your sight, you see it in your everything. It turns into a physical problem when yeah. we are not living in our natural state of being. Yeah. I, um, oh, this is powerful, man. I just posted about feelings. So these last couple of weeks have been just rough and eye-opening and I, I managed to somehow find peace in all of it, but it basically came down to my my one rule in anything when a situation arises is to feel everything in that situation. Because right. I know what it feels like to be numb. Because I know what you sacrifice when you decide to be numb. Living in a moment. When I came out of that that depression and that anxiety, I made up my mind that I was going to indulge and feel everything. And a few times over these last few weeks, some stuff happened. And in that moment, it was so easy. And I, it was surprising to me how easy it was to almost revert back to that numbness. Mm. Because of the protection it provides and the, the silence. That, that came with it. Yeah. You know, but I always feel everything, mm-hmm. everything, good, bad, indifferent, feel it, work through it, let it work through you. You had to. Mm-hmm. You had it's, to. Something, it's something that I'm, I'm learning to do a lot more uh, because feeling opens you up to living life. Yes, it does. And that is often. That gut punch of life or that uh, negativity from other people. And everything isn't bad, but you feel that it is. Mm-hmm. When all you've ever done but struggle, and we judge people. And that, that's, what, that's why that movie stuck out so much to me. Because all those people in some way felt judged, mm-hmm. felt ostracized, yeah. felt ashamed because of the financial state that they were in. We got people who just got to come up from a PPP or unemployment mm-hmm. or some government emergency fund, and they are now feeling like they're the upper 1%. So now they don't understand why people don't want to work. They don't understand why people, you know, uh, are poor or, God, you just got a bump. <laughs> a little coin. You're not even probably getting that right now. A little bit, right. You still have a couple dollars in your bank account, and mm-hmm. now you are above it. And the way it's, the, and I, I watched that thing twice, the whole thing straight through twice. And I, I, I still cannot think of any other thing but how we treat each other. I couldn't even see the financial side of it. I couldn't even see the violent side of it. 
all I could see was how we treated each other. And it, it felt like a modern day Charlie in a chocolate factory, like a dark yeah, Charlie yeah. in a chocolate factory. Because that old man was the puppeteer the whole time. And that one man, it was in him, a part of him wanted to be like everybody else was being, but he kept being pulled to help this man out. If it had he thought about himself from the beginning, he would probably would have won without it even being a, but he always thought about that man. And then so that's why he was so hurt when he realized that man was the puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. But it just it just how you treat because he could have easily teamed up with other people or pushed that old man to the side. But something in him, that natural instinct that we all have inside of ourselves to be of service for other people. Yeah. And support each other and love each other. Many of us have found the switch to turn that off. Mm-hmm. Many of us have broken that switch. Mm-hmm. Many of us are still trying to find that, that yeah. switch. Many of us don't know that's that switch exists in us. And I think that is the majority. The ones that don't know that that switch even exists. I want to believe that so bad. I really want to believe that. I really feel like that's the majority. I do. And I I want to believe that so Anybody that I encounter, I try my best to um, deal and and move in compassion and in love because... Mm -hmm. I feel like that is the majority. A lot of people don't know about that switch. They don't. I've been proven, I've you, been proven wrong a few times, but not I enough to make me give up I want to believe it so bad. And even for me, today, I, I, I've been having a lot of conversations because I, I most of the times I initiate them because I just want to mm-hmm. know and I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. Now, this friend lives in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Never been to the United States. Never, you know, total uh, culture shock. But he was saying, he was telling me a story about how he, uh, uh, well, we will quickly go to a commercial break. Sorry, I didn't see that. We will quickly go to a commercial break. We'll be right back here on the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BeExposedRadio.com. can train and certify over 10,000 students in 10 years. We can renovate over 10,000 houses in 10 years. This is the Inner City Trade School Project, sponsored by Get With The Program. It's our time, and it's our turn. But like once we address, once we address the needs of the students, we can ensure that they'll be successful in the program. The, the, the main idea is to know the safety of the program. And Do Black Lives Matter? Yes. yes. We're going to show you how much Black Lives Matter because we have a solution to the problem. This school will help change the mindset of our young Black men. And that's what we're trying to do, bring pride back to our community. Substance use, anger management, uh, mental health. So here at the Inner City Trade School, that's what we're uh, trying to build. That's what we're trying to create, an environment for our people to thrive. Thank you. 
Exchange radio show, and um, typically I don't, I don't, I don't like to vent on shows, but we we got to do better. Um, the world is coming to an end. Mm. Is it is self? It's self. Um, it's coming from us. Mm-hmm. It's not from the environment or. Mm-hmm. Some explore is us. We are devastating ourselves. We are finding ourselves extinct because of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The cause of this, how we treat each other is very important. We have polarized mm-hmm. everything. There's nothing else left to polarize. It's nothing left for uh, left for us to politicize or scrutinize or any of those eyes is nothing left. We have other of any self-respect, any uh, love, any time. We are at a space right now where we will sell each other out Hmm. just for opportunity to move a step. Yeah. We're seeing this within our families, within our friend circles, within our work environments. Nothing is sacred to us anymore. For me, if one of us have a problem, we all have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't just say, well, that's them over there. No, because their behavior is affecting all of us. Yeah, it's always a domino effect. Always, any situation, any problem. And you can find what they're doing is something you're doing. Mm-hmm. It may not be to your friends, but it may mm-hmm. be to, towards your family. Mm-hmm. It may not be towards your family, but it may be towards the, the homeless man sleeping on the street. Yeah. I don't care how holy you are, how nice you are, how rich you are. We are destroying each other left and right. And it's no, it's no consequence. This takes me to the other movie, the other TV series, Clickbait. I didn't watch that yet. So I'm going to give it all away, but <laughs> there's an incident that happens where um, where this one gentleman is, his identity basically is stolen. And for the movie, we see how it happens, 
who is actually responsible for it, but everybody surrounding this individual who knows him or doesn't know him has created a narrative about this person that uh, is totally different uh, than what actually happened. So we have a bunch of people, as we see in real life, uh, that follows a perspective versus the facts of what actually happened. Uh, and it, it is it's so quick for you to be like, oh, you know what? You did do it. You never met this person. And we'll take it and run with it. And we don't, and I learned um, this, this saying from um, Dr. Latonya Valencia Moss. She said, words have innate powers. Mm. They have to seek out the mission of the tongue. And ever since she said that to me, I have always, I've constantly been second guessing what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming her for that, but before I would say stuff that was on my heart. Yeah. Still do that to a certain degree, but I'm very mindful of the words I use, why I use them, because they have powers. Yeah, every but time. you're having a good day and then a dagger just hits you. You're like, what is going on? I was mm -hmm. just having, somebody got their mouth on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, words have to seek you out. Yeah. And do what they've been deemed to do. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, can you listen? Can you come through with a word? You come through with a word. Us, lady. I'm I'm so upset with us because I want to believe what you just said. Mm -hmm. That the majority of the people don't even know they have that switch in them. Mm -hmm. I want to the the Nate, the little Nate that I used to be mm -hmm. wants to believe that. This this Nate right here, that's the picture of me. Me and my aunt Val. That name right there, nobody was evil. Nobody had any hardship against me or anybody. Mm -hmm. There was no such thing as wrong. Mm -hmm. Everybody loved me. That name turned into this name. And realized it's people who are mentally destroyed yeah. for whatever reason who got a button that they can push and they just keep pushing that button. Whether it's being deceptive, whether it's being evil, whether it's being just bad to other people. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I understand many circumstances that make that up. I don't agree with R. Kelly. I don't agree mm. with the Cosby. I don't, but somebody did this mm. in their space. Mm -hmm. And we're able to scrutinize, crucify them. But we, and I just said before you got on here, we don't see how we're raping our economic system, our environment, our mm. school system, our children, mm. mentally doing these mm -hmm. things. We may not be molesting them or slipping something into their drinks or uh, uh, or um, acquiring any youngsters. We may not be doing those things. Mm -hmm. What is the rape in your life? Mm. 
What's what's the rape in your life? What's the molestation in your life? What's the sexual assault in your life? What's that equivalent to in your life? And many people are like, well, I don't do those things. That's not that's not what I'm doing. How's your relationship with your child? Hmm. How's your relationship with your parents? Siblings. Your siblings. How do mm-hmm. you how do you talk to your sister? How do you talk to your mm-hmm. brother? Mm-hmm. How do you talk to the elderly labor that live next door to you? Yeah. How do you talk to people in general? How do you treat your customers? Yeah. How do you treat yourself? And um, most importantly, because how you treat others is, a, is certainly a reflection on how you treat yourself. We, we've turned into a, a community of experts on bullshit. Mm. And we just, <laughs> we exist in that space where I can judge you, but I'm going to keep my door closed. I think the best example of that right now is Wendy Williams. And see, I'm a, that's a pet peeve for me, though. Anybody in my circle will tell you I don't allow it around me. I don't allow it in my space. Because mm-hmm. if we're going to get the calling stuff out, we're going to get the calling out all the way around the table. And if, if somebody got to walk away from this table upset, we all walking away upset. It's a group after you. That's, that's now the activity that's going on. That's it. Oh, so we all will be upset? Oh, well, I might as well let everything I know about you out. Listen. What's all that? Oh, guess what I know? Listen, I'm just saying, you can't sit and call somebody out in front of me because as far as I'm concerned, ain't no one of us better than the next one. So we're going to play this game. We're going to play it fair. We're going to play it fair. I'm trying to understand just where we are and how we got here and what is really... I was talking to a gentleman yesterday about uh, strategic uh, planning in terms of changing the trajectory of how we do business, how we develop business, because you got to go back to the narrative that is already out there about us as Black people and business being business owners. Yeah. You got to change people's mindset, mm-hmm. which means we have to change the, because the the group, the, the group thought turns into the narrative. The group of narratives mm-hmm. then turn into our culture, the yeah. group because we're doing more damage, self-damage to us ourselves as a community than any racist, yep. I've been any saying other it culture for can years. I've been saying it for years. Because mm-hmm. we're showing them how to treat us. We're showing them. Not to say they didn't show us how to treat us. Yeah. But now we're we're confirming that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You can, it's, you can, a, it's a lack of accountability. It's a lack of so. I grew up in a, a conscious household mm-hmm. where all of everything that was wrong with the world was the white man's fault and all of what's wrong in our community is the white man's fault because we've been conditioned and I'm just like, whoa, if you can acknowledge that we've been conditioned, you can acknowledge that we can turn that over. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. You, 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 you can't possibly do that when it's somebody else's fault. But I always look at it, so I always look at the gun, like the toy, the the gun we used to use. Mm -hmm. So this is you pointing. Mm -hmm. These are also the things that are our responsibility. Yeah. So you blame. There has to be some accountability. And it's not, people are like, well, that's victim blaming. It's not victim blaming. 
It's accountability. Because we got mad at Kanye West for saying slavery was a choice. But when they said it was time to leave that plantation, how many of us stayed? I don't even get upset about some of the stuff that comes out of Kanye's mouth because I'm aware of how easy it is to write somebody off as crazy or weird because you don't and won't give energy to something that might make sense because the masses, you want to, you, you're part of the masses. Because we want to excuse, and, and, and for me, I'm not that person that is like, well, we want to excuse what he said makes sense. What he said makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because if more people would have rallied around, say, a Nat Turner, he would have been successful. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have got caught and mm-hmm. cut into a million pieces yeah. and burnt alive. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened. It's a matter of a, a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... I then went in yesterday. I just was watching stuff. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I'm just watching what's on. I didn't watch the uh, Dave Chappelle special. And I'm disappointed in Dave Chappelle because he's been through fire. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like he's still hurt from something. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to attack you. I'm going to shoot you with my, my jokes, mm-hmm. with my storytelling. Instead of getting the help that is necessary. So I move through this. Some people are comfortable being in the valley. Yeah. This uh, this way I'm at. I'm a, this, yeah. I like this rut. Let me just stand yeah. this rut. And it becomes a cycle. Mm-hmm. Because you are a hurt person now hurting people. Now, I will agree with all the people, you know, Throw him under the bus, his hate speech. I'm not I'm never gonna watch Netflix again. Because there have been plenty of opportunities for you never to watch Netflix again. But this oh, thing that hit home, yeah. this thing that hit home was like, yeah. well, this is why I'm not watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, this you had to watch uh it, it it blew my mind and at the same time, it's a it's a mind screw. You can't turn away or you're going to miss something. Mm-hmm. Um, non-perfect strangers. And where is that at? It's strings on Hulu. Okay. okay. Um, it's just one season for right now. But I felt like that also speaks to the state of the world. Mm. I, I, I think a lot it, of what's coming out right now is, is so indicative of who we are. Yeah. And it's it's scary how present it is. We used to only live in the future or the past. Yeah. But now we are right here. Listen. Real time. Me watching like Squid Games, you say for you what stuck out was how people treat each other. For me, I'm watching it. And I I think for the most part, I couldn't get over um how the VIPs, the, the entertainment. Mm-hmm. For them, I thought that was sick, but mm-hmm. I also know that's real, right? But it was also very interesting to me how they chose to make them these sick American white men. It, it perspective is everything. Yeah, 
It's very easy to be in control of a narrative mm-hmm. and push that narrative. And I'm not saying these men, it shouldn't have been them, but it was just very, it was, when people want to make a point, they know exactly how to do it. Yeah. But I'm, I also was wondering, though, as sick as I thought that was, who thought that them being the VIPs and watching this being entertainment for them, were they more sick than the people participating in the games? Mm-hmm. Even after knowing that eliminated meant eliminated. Mm-hmm. Who? Well, they were betting on it. They So they knew what it was. They they were betting on it. The same way when the people revealed who they were and it looked like all the people that were in red were children. Hmm. Just, I mean, it really, in my mind, I put black faces on mm, them mm. to make it make sense for me culturally. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what face you put on it or what race you put on them, we still have a problem with how we treat each other. Yeah. We have a problem. When I get a little bit more, oh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. And how we condition the children to treat treat each other and people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it really it did a number on me. It did watching that and you gotta watch clickbait. Um, and I believe this is the first season for both of them. But it really just oh, it just it did something to me that I didn't expect because normally I typically I watch stuff and I'm looking for continuity. But Squid Game was clearly, it was shot like a reality show. Mm. Because it was so many, oh, okay, I can see behind the scenes of this. Okay, I see it. Mm. But it was it was so much that was so personal and so current that it, you had to watch it. You had to watch it. Yeah. Same thing and I wasn't people. going to, I knew nothing about it, my niece and auntie. We gotta watch this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the first episode, I'm like, oh, red light, green light. And then the first person dies, and I'm like, what the hell you got me watching? And I was prepared to get up. I, was, I didn't want to see anymore because I didn't know where it was going. And I was just like, no. And I, But even just that episode, watching them people get picked off one by one by one, and then by the bunches, I'm sitting there and that in that first episode, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm saying to myself, do you realize you're sitting here watching this and I'm not flinching? Mm. That's not okay. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I was that was my whole point. I did not feel a reaction to the violence. Cause I'm watching people get killed on the news. I'm watching people die from COVID. I think we're so numb to that. Yeah. This was like, no, I had to focus on another thing. But um, as we are wrapping up, um, and I'm going to have this young lady on as often as she has time. (laughs) Uh, But I just, um, today was different. Today was definitely a different day. I'm seeing things differently. There there Mm -hmm. will be some announcements in the next couple weeks by the end of this year. A few announcements from me. Um, because mm. there's some big changes that are happening in my space. Even in this moment as I speak, there are things that are um, that are happening. And I have to make those decisions quickly. Um, 
because the things that don't uplift me and don't mm. bring me joy anymore, I have to, I have to remove Father, it because God yeah. is telling me you won't get better until you get rid of this lesson or until you learn yes. this lesson. Yes. And I'm, I'm a pack rat at heart because I'm an artist and I can use scraps and pieces to make something pretty, but I can no longer do that. Yes. I want brand new parts. And yes. Brand new parts. So this has been another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BeExposedRadio.com. Do you have any events coming up that you want to promote real quick? Um, real quick, I am about to do a, uh, what I call a Converse series, um, Step Aside 2.0, Seven Step Guide mm-hmm. to Getting Out of Your Own Way so that you can get to your, your success, whatever that success is for you. Um, mm-hmm. we'll be doing that via Zoom. The link is at my website, www.rvaproject.com. Also, okay. on the 24th, I will be at C. Rose's second annual Breast Cancer Awareness um, pop-up shop. It's a networking event. Come on out. Get all the vendors. Show your support. Buy Black. Um, it's from 12 to 5. The fire is on my Instagram, sjspeaks111. Um, and and if you need another speaker, let me know. Uh, that's that's my line of work right now. Listen, I'm I love it. Roadblocks. I love um, it. I'm about to have you at that workshop in November. That's <laughs> what I was speaking know. about. That's that's if you need another speaker there, I, just let me know. We great, do that. We great, get you right set up. So mm-hmm. on the 23rd of this month, we'll be doing a RT here at uh, Vassal Blue Jury Studio, uh, where we'll be featuring myself. Unless mm-hmm. we, last month, we fe- featured Ms. Kim Jacks. Um, our herbalist, our tea herbalist, uh, will be uh, the one and only Miss uh, Jay Nicole, and she'll be blending up some great concoctions. Last, last month, we had a cinnamon ginger tea, and a uh, lavender tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Monday through Saturday, 12 to 7, sometimes 8, 8.30, you can stop by the Vash Shop New Jewelry Studio to buy some jewelry. You can see everything, a little piece of it. Not everything on our website is on in the studio, so come on down safely, wear your mask, or you will be mm-hmm. in your mask. <laughs> uh, but definitely come on by 1734 Maryland Avenue. Shout out to Be Exposed Radio. Uh, follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, if they're still up, and uh, YouTube at Be Exposed Radio. You can also follow the Artist Exchange on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. Um, and that's been another edition. We'll be back next Friday and every Friday, 5 p.m. sharp. Eastern Standard Time, the Artist Exchange Radio Show, where artists will talk real live. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Peace out, people. Don't be giving me no countdown. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so uh, if you need another speaker at your... You said it's a good thing. 